the BioWorld Insider Podcast. This is the BioWorld Insider Podcast, and I'm Lynn Yaffe, BioWorld's publisher. It's been another record year for biopharma fundraising. There is more money than ever coursing through the industry. A comparison of the first 10 months of every year going back to 2000 indicates that the volume and value of IPOs and of venture capital financings are at their highest levels so far in 2021. Private financings for 21 have easily outdistanced those from 2020, which also was a record year. A lot of it has been powered by SPACs, the newly popular special purpose acquisition companies. So where's it all going in 2022? Today, BioWorld staff writer Lee Landenberger is talking with two biopharma serial entrepreneurs who will share their perspectives on financing trends. First, we welcome Cleanthus Santhopoulos, who is the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Shoreline Biosciences. For more than 20 years, he's been an executive, company founder, CEO, investor, and board member in biopharma research. He's founded five companies, shepherded three life sciences companies onto NASDAQ, and financed and brokered numerous large deals. We also welcome Joe Hernandez, who has been CEO and executive chairman of Blue Water Vaccine since 2018. That company is focused on manufacturing a universal flu vaccine. He founded or led eight healthcare and pharmaceutical companies. Mr. Hernandez is currently chairman and CEO of Blue Water Acquisition, a SPAC that completed an IPO a year ago this month. And in September, the acquisition corporation combined with Claris Therapeutics. Welcome, both of you. Lee, over to you. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be sitting with two gentlemen who understand biopharma financing. They've been deeply involved in it for years. They've seen a lot. They have a lot of perspective about why and how the business and the science develop as they do. Uh, Joe, I wanted to start with you on my first question. Uh, the founder and managing director of Equor One Capital, Oleg Nodelman, was speaking recently, and he said, there's money to be made at least today. And as long as there's money to be made, people are going to chase it right off a cliff. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's probably an overly pessimistic view, but sometimes it all seems too good to be true. Do you think that this white hot pace that we're on now can remain the same in 2022? Joe, that one's for you. First of all, I know Oleg well, and I and I think he's uh, he's a poet. So you know, we got to take um, all comments with a grain of salt. And I think the market is certainly frothy. I think everyone would agree that there is some overzealousness in the market, and it's a matter of ensuring that you know we don't we don't lose uh, our skis. But the reality is, there's still a lot of value in the sector, and there's a lot of great companies. And you know, if COVID hasn't taught us anything, it is that investments in biotechs not only do they pay off financially, but they also, you know, uh, have great, significant, positive impact on the world. So, um, you know, I think I think there's going to be some stabilization, but, you know, where, where else are you going to put your money? I think biotech is probably one of the better places to put capital to work. Uh, Kalianthus, did you have some thoughts about that? Yeah, I always respect what Oleg says. I know him for over 20 years, uh, but I agree with Joe. And frankly, uh, we have seen already a significant correction. In, in fact, the correction started already in the spring of this year. What we're experiencing now is a very significant depression of XBI. That's my um, best measure to see where biotech is going because it includes a lot of smaller companies. And what you're seeing is a lot of sell-off. Uh, people speculate it's for tax purposes, but the reality is most of the funds 
are either flat or have uh, lost um, 10, 20 percent of their value. So that correction, I don't see any any change until the end of the year. But there is a lot of money in the system. And I think people are going to have a very fresh look in 2022. And I can only imagine things are going to get better. I have a question about financing and the, the boom in financing. I realize it's probably not all COVID driven, but the, I pretty significant chunk of it seems to be. Can either of you or both give me an idea of how much of it is, is COVID-driven? I mean, I would argue that there is some attention that has been drawn to biotech uh, as it relates to COVID. I think, you know, people that were probably in other industries and uh, didn't really talk much about biotech as an investment thesis probably now look at biotech as an option because of, again, the successes in, around covid and, and the impact it's had on, you know, on humanity and really on the recovery of, of, of the uh, pandemic. Yeah, I think there is a structural uh, significant difference between biotech um, and the capital supporting biotech today as it was 10 years ago. And it's primarily because a lot more money has come to the, to the system in, in the hands of experienced professionals that invest uh, systematically and can can look at opportunities both for the short and the long term. We did have obviously a spike with COVID, as Joe said, um, certain industries, entertainment, travel, energy, and others uh, were severely depressed. So generalists came into the into the sector and that's why we saw a, a spike uh, and a peak somewhere in, in, um, <clears throat> in 2020. Um, there is now a, a recalibration but the overall money in the biotech se sector in the hands of very significant and experienced professionals is an order of magnitude uh, higher than it was a couple of decades ago. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you also about SPACs. Uh, they're incredibly popular right now. And is the, is the landscape set so that that will continue into 2022? Well, I would say, you know, from our experience, we think that there's, um, you know, more resistance from a sort of from a, a numbers and a, and a structure perspective and a, se a sequence perspective. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's been changes, there's been guidance by the agency on on how to treat some some of the uh, the warrants uh, that are typically assigned to sponsors, and you know that's had an impact in the velocity of of, of SPACs. Um, I think the other dynamic that's really um, had an impact is really the the percentage of or the amount of redemption that occurs or has occurred uh, on some of the, the more recently announced transactions. And I think because then that drives um, the transaction uh, to to go to the pipe market, um, and those markets are sometimes unpredictable and. Uh, so, so I think those two dynamics have, have slowed the process down. But, uh, you know, I'm an advocate for SPACs. I believe they're great vehicles. I think that they're investor-friendly vehicles. And, um, you know, it's the reason we're out in the market with, uh, with our second SPAC. So uh, they're here to stay. They're, and they're, they're a great vehicle for biotech companies looking to go, get public. I, I'm curious why they're – why is there time now? Why are SPACs becoming so popular now? I mean, I would say that it has – to do with the acceptance of SPACs in the broader market by sophisticated uh, investors that, um, you know, in large funds that traditionally 
uh, did not invest in these vehicles. Um, there's always been players in the SPAC world. There, there are investors that are primarily focused on SPACs. Um, but I think the the broad acceptance uh, by you know uh, broad investors and large institutional investors has really driven um, the popularity of SPACs uh, in general. I would agree with that. SPACs have been around <clears throat> for a long time, but uh, we saw a very significant uh, peak a couple of three years ago. Um, and looking forward for the reasons Joe outlined, some of them are structural, uh, <clears throat> some of them is a little bit of investor fatigue. We're going to see that plateaued, but they're here to stay. Um, and we're going to see a quantitatively less number of SPACs, but hopefully qualitatively better uh, SPACs and better transactions, because the key is the despacking process, the process by which a SPAC identifies a target and then um, funnels the capital to that particular target. So uh, they're here to stay, um, but we're going to see them, in my view, in less volume as we experienced in, in the last year or so. Totally agree. In Asia, it's been, a, it's been slower uh, in their acceptance. And the Hong Kong market's looking to tap into it, and they've changed some of the rules that they use. Um, any thoughts about SPACs and a trend in 2022 in Asia? I don't have a lot of experience in you know the capital markets in Asia. What I have seen is certainly a greater appetite by Asian investors in, in the U.S. capital markets. Uh, and I think you continue to see that trend. I, I, I have and I can't, I can't say that I've seen a lot of uh, IPOs um, in Hong Kong that perform well. Uh, I think the American markets uh, are really where the focal investors are both domestically and abroad. And I think that'll continue to be the case for the foreseeable future. Yeah, the fund I'm associated with, uh, Store Capital, is following the developments in Hong Kong and um, also looking at the potential for SPACs there. So we're taking a, a cautious look. It's not very clear what um, A, the regulations are going to be and B, the appetite of investors. So I think that's going to play out in 2022. Mm. Moving on from SPACs into IPOs, also having exceptionally strong years this past year and the year before. Are the market fundamentals that power those surges baked into the cake for 2022 also? The market um, has seen a lot of um, smaller uh, IPOs than, than traditionally we have seen. And, and I think, you know, those companies are going to continue to need capital and, and how that plays out long term is anyone's guess. But, you know, I, I would say that, you know, there's, there's going to be some stabilization to the public markets on biotech for sure. In our view, um, you know, we saw in 2022, and despite the correction that I mentioned earlier, um, 75, 80 IPOs, which is close to, to the record. And we've seen a bullish IPO market uh, for the past uh, four or five years, um, which has continued uninterrupted. Um, I don't see a reason why 22 is going to be different. Uh, the only uh, potential filter I will introduce is, is better quality companies, because given what has happened in the second half of 2021, I think you're gonna see funds being much more selective in terms of uh, where they invest their, their capital. That's what I wanted to ask you about next, uh, the indications and the kinds of science that are trending and that are looking to be good investments for 2022. Do you see any trends coming up for next year? Over 40% of our companies are, are focusing in oncology. Uh, obviously, 
with the pandemic still raging, uh, we, we're going to see vaccines and antiviral uh, company focus. Beyond that, um, specifically in terms of technology, cell therapies and gene therapies will continue that momentum because they've been demonstrating significant clinical results and, and uh, promise to change fundamentally the, the way we treat diseases. I totally agree with those sectors. I think I would add also the neurology or CNS side of the equation. I think you're seeing a lot of momentum there with companies that you know really have transformative strategies and molecules that I think are much needed in the market. So beyond the you know the vaccines and the oncology, I think neurology and CNS-based diseases, including Alzheimer's, will continue to be a, a big factor. And I think there's some exciting technologies there that could be transformative. Do mRNAs factor into that at all? Still look strong? Well, I, I know mRNAs really well. We actually tried to bring a company public about eight years ago uh, using microRNAs. You know, I think from a vaccine perspective, I think if COVID has done anything for technology, it's that it's accelerated the adoption of mRNA approaches in vaccines. And you're, you're seeing the big pharmas um, adopting and, and advancing their programs in, in mRNA-based uh, vaccines. So I, I think you'll see that trend continue. Um, I think on the therapeutic side, you know, um, that's less likely in, in my humble opinion. Um, you know, the, a vaccine is a very different regimen. You, you, you know, you give somebody one or two or three shots and that's the exposure that they have to the delivery vehicles that are that are often used in, in mRNA, which are lipid nanoparticles. I think for chronic diseases where you have to give a therapy for a prolonged period of time, I think toxicity is, is still out there. And, and I think the regulators are going to be hesitant for chronic-based diseases. Um, but I think vaccines for sure. I agree with, with Joe. And given um, that I have a, a decade of exposure in RNA therapeutics, um, you know, once you know the technical difficulties um, of potential immunogenicity, if you're going to multi-dose a, a patient and, and, and other delivery issues to specific uh, tissues of, of interest, um, it will become a more of a <clears throat> research program uh, to, to try to get outside of the vaccines. Let's not forget that um, Moderna did start with a very big vision to address multiple different diseases and uh, that didn't, that was not very successful for long time until vaccines, uh, of course, validated the, the platform. But equally important, let's also not forget that there's uh, three decades of systematically building the tools to develop RNA therapeutics, how we deliver them, how we modify the nucleic acids uh, to stay longer in, in, uh, in the body and, and bring the effect. Um, the, it's all this immense amount of work that helped um, the messenger RNA vaccines of today. Let me ask you a counterintuitive uh, perspective from down the road. Do you see anything that may be a big factor coming up in 2022 that's not a current trend? From a technology perspective, again, I'm, you know, I, I think the neurology angle is is one that I think there's a lot of novel approaches there. Uh, I think from a macroeconomic perspective, you know, how how the paying system, you know, reimbursement and you know the potential buying power that government could have and the impact that may have on pricing. I think those macroeconomic things are things that investors are going to pay attention to because that ultimately has an impact uh, on the overall investor appetite for our sector. And, and I, so I think that is one that I would pay attention to. 
Um, and certainly there's some other exciting technologies coming out of Europe that I, I think are now we're seeing a lot more exposure. And of course, China is, as a, as a, as a country has become more creative and, and, and novel approaches. And I think, you know, we, we should look to Asia for, for new technologies as well moving forward. From my perspective, the correction we experienced in the second half of, of this year have brought down valuations of uh, companies that now potentially become attractive to big pharma for M&A. So I think you're going to see M&A picking up, which was uh, relatively quiet um, in 2021. That's obviously uh, one of the key factors that uh, fuels the growth of, of biotech and, and the appetite of investors to continue to invest in the, in the sector. The second is something that was not predicted, where companies like Pfizer all of a sudden, uh, because of vaccines and potentially now therapeutics against COVID, have tens of billions of dollars that uh, was not forecasted or budgeted, and that money is going to be put to work. Um, how Pfizer and others choose to, to do that, it's of course their business, but uh, undoubtedly part of that will come to fuel biotech. So I think those two macro factors, including the start of, of the year and, and, and the amount of capital that a lot of hedge funds and uh, mutual funds have for dedicated to biotech, is going to fuel 2022 growth. Uh, yeah, Pfizer's got some money on hand. <laughs> yeah, those are great points. It should not be overlooked completely. I totally agree. Well, thank you both. I feel a lot better looking ahead to 2022 and feel like I've got a better handle on everything. Thanks for your time and your insight. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Lynn? It's a fascinating discussion. BioWorld tracks the financings in the biopharmaceutical sector constantly, and we're constantly reanalyzing as things change because, of course, without the money, how would we bring these great scientific inventions forward? So as always, BioWorld will continue to keep you informed of all the most important scientific, clinical, and business updates in the field. That's our show for today. If you need to track the development of drugs, turn to BioWorld.com, follow us on Twitter, or email us at newsdesk at BioWorld.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us. BioWorld, published by Clarivate, is a subscription-based news service, but all of our COVID-19 content, over 6,000 articles and data entries since the start of the pandemic, are freely accessible. 